When the fires die down and the guests are full, the only thing left to do is enjoy the company. Best done with a fresh cigar and a cold drink. This is After the Cook. You know what? Weather in Florida is pretty nice, isn't it? Awesome, man. Loving it. It's Loving great. It. Welcome to Gulfport, Florida. And, what, and to put it in contrast to what you were telling us yesterday, you just hit the coldest on record ever temperatures ever Correct. recorded. Now, does that include America temperatures? Yes. That includes all That's of the, the temperatures world. in it's the planet. It's not just the small, diminutive Celsius <laughs> temperatures of Canada. The coldest place on the planet last week was Edmonton, Alberta. Okay. At minus 38 Celsius. What is that for us Americans, My, which is probably most of our audience? Minus 32.8 Fahrenheit. Right. What, what, oh, minus 32 Fahrenheit. You already knew that. I did. Because I looked it up for your wife when I was coming back from the airport. And what was it, Celsius? Minus 36. Oh, so when it gets negative, it It, it gets still doesn't closer. make sense. It still doesn't make sense. <laughs> it really doesn't. Much like your time zones, I also don't understand your temperature, whatever. Yeah, it's purely an American experience, like losing early in the World Cup or not even qualifying. It's uniquely American. There again, the first goal that Canada has scored in the World Cup. Canada as a team in the World Cup? Yes, they do. And the first goal that was scored in the World Cup, that gentleman is from Edmonton, Alberta. So there you go. Ever in a World Cup ever? Ever in a World Cup ever. this past World Cup? This was the first one we scored. Wow. As Canada in the World Cup come from edmonton alberta so now is he know. alive is his foot somewhere in a, in a when we get a hold of him do yeah. you call it alberta edmonton how do we how do we how do we map it to like cities and states in the united canada states? okay canada and then the center of canada is alberta okay is and the that... capital of alberta is edmonton okay so alberta would be the equivalent of a state yes alberta is as big as texas 96 percent as big as texas right but texas is a state Yes, but Texas is also the center of America. It is. It is. And they it have their own flag. They do. And remember the Alamo. Well, and all my exes live in Texas. Exactly. See, there you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, I just actually came back from Texas there. I so. know. You, yeah. you want to tell us a little about your uh, live fire event? I did a live fire event with uh, Al Fergoni, right? Did uh, Picanha. We did all kinds of crazy stuff. It was uh, one of his first set up to do like a catering, bring people in. There was a lot of foodies from San Antonio and Austin came down and then writers and stuff like that. It was a really cool event. Very laid back and random. Excellent. Uh, yeah, so it was it was it was very nice, but I was tired. Were the two of you the only pitmasters working the event, or did you have other influencers and or local cooks working with? No, you? It was, it's just him, and I came to give him a hand, okay. and then he had his crew of of uh, guys that were taking care of you know the catering aspect right. of things and stuff. But I really uh, love seeing all of his success. Yeah, he's doing doing some pretty wild stuff out there. I met him last year when I did the Ace Orlando event with Big Green Egg. Yep, and he was working the Fogo tent. Yep. And I did not know him personally at that time. And so I went over to say hello to Captain Ron, because I know Captain Ron very well. And he was at the Fogo tent. And Al was there. He was like, hey, hey. And I just didn't know, because I was in between. And then he gave me the, the his awesome chimichurri. Yep. And uh, I knew immediately who he was. There you go. Yeah, no, he's yeah. a neat dude. So it was nice. Texas was nice. But I'm happy to be here in Florida, let me tell you. 
It's pretty nice. Oh, it's gorgeous here. Absolutely gorgeous. So as soon as his wife, uh, Miss Debbie, pick, picked me up from the airport, took me down to Gulfport, yeah. where my man was playing in a band, right? Right yeah. on the strip, right on the ocean. Right. And that's how you roll into Florida, just like that. It's pretty. It was a pretty good weekend for me uh, in that aspect of my life, playing music. I played a gig in Clearwater Beach, Florida. It's about 40 minutes north of here on the ocean. Yep. Beautiful beach bar. Great gig. Yep. Had a day off doing the Santa Rampage where we dressed as Santa and Rampage downtown. <laughs> and then played uh, yesterday in Gulfport. So, yeah. Might try to integrate the two. Bring, like, my little Mini Max and have a guitar. And I probably will not do that. Well, but if you did, it'd be pretty cool. Throw another shrimp on the barbie. So I saw something and I recognized something mm -hmm. because Jordan, our producer, actually came down for this to cut this. So this is very cool. He's yeah. in person here in Florida as well as us. So, yeah, and I, there he is right there. There he is. So I noticed something watching you plugging away, slapping the bass, right? right. Slapping the bass. Mm -hmm. The bass is a soundtrack for an 8-bit video game definitely that is the coolest dun, thing dun, 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 dun. yeah like it's dun, it, it dun, dun, doesn't dun, get dun, any dun. crazier than that it's gonna go like it's you know and then you got the lead guy that's right whatever but then you got that and it's just a steady drum i loved it man i i thought it was really cool i've always gravitated towards the bass well i was gonna tell some heady story to make me look cool the real reason I gravitated towards playing the bass is when I was a young child. I was very much into that band Kiss and the heyday of Kiss. Yes. And I was a huge, as all the children from our era, yes, our generation, I think yeah. that's the word, yes. were into Kiss at that time. And I was into Gene Simmons and I wanted in, but I did. I actually followed through and learned how to play the bass. Now, as a bass player, yes. I have come to appreciate that playing the bass is often overlook like a great offensive lineman or I, I don't know the equivalent analogy in uh hockey yes a defensive man maybe yeah. Yeah. who's like the story's going nowhere no, it will not make instagram that's that's <laughs> yeah. i lost you all when you know i began yeah. this thing no but I yes i enjoy playing bass and it is the unsung hero if you watch people dancing at a club or watching a band their neck is boom yeah. boom booming to the, to base. the base to the it's always to the base all right all right well mel I'm, I'm really happy that you're here in florida thank you and that we have this incredible special guest joining us tonight i cannot wait to meet him somebody near and dear to my heart yes uh, he works with snake river farms the premier american wagyu beef company in the world his name is dave yasuda dave welcome to after the cook thank you dave, chris mel dave yasuda thanks for inviting me on thank you very much for thank being you. here i've actually met dave one time yeah a long yeah. time ago what was that 2018 Oktoberfest? so yeah the egg fest that's right there you go yeah yeah that's right he gave me a hat he did he did it was a nice hat i still have it now how long awesome. in the conversation dave did it take him to hit you up to send him some meat? Was it like? I think that was the opener, wasn't that it? That was the opener. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yes, yeah. We don't have any of that stuff well, up there. This is the, yeah. 
It's good to know. Yeah, it, you can't help it. I would love to send you some, but we can't get it to Canada. I mean, we ship it up there. I mean, for special events, you can buy it and distribute. Yeah, but no, it, it's it's a uh, it has to be inspected by a veterinarian or something. The yeah. Canadians are not messing around. And we are so difficult with everything you can think of. It's just. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Though you, you told it. you built Jordan up that he was going to have a hard time getting out of the country, and he just breezed right through customs. They that's didn't it. give. Him, yeah. Well, that's because I told him the secret. <laughs> when you see the American customs officer, mention barbecue. Okay. And then they just <laughs> let you in. I don't know what it is. They just start talking about meat, what? and they let you in. That's it. Yep. So, Dave, what was your path to Snake River Farms? You have a really unique job in the world of marketing. Uh, and I'm curious as to how you went from your marketing background into working with Agri-Beef and ultimately Snake River Farms. Well, I'll try to make that quick. So my background's always been in food. <laughs> my, first, my first job in college, out of college, was with Procter & Gamble. So I worked with their food service and lodging division up in Bellevue, Washington. And that was kind of a happy, you know, a lucky deal. I, normally, a P&G job, you're, you know, stocking grocery shelves, but I was calling on operators, selling them things like, uh, you know, edible shortening, like Prep and Whirl and Frymax. If you guys need to know anything about deep fryers, I'm your guy. And then from there, I went to work back here in Boise at a company called uh, Simplot, JR Simplot Company. They're an egg business, and they are big producers of French fries. So I worked for them. I was like a uh, I had that was one of the few jobs I had where I actually had a true mentor. If Phil Quinney's listening, Phil, thank you. He's one of those guys that you know really did the mentor thing, helped me kind of learn the ropes. And so uh, I was always interested in advertising. And then one day I went home. I got a call from an ad agency in um, San Francisco called Anderson Rothstein, and they worked with food service companies. And I took a job, so I moved from Boise to San Francisco. I will mention one other job. I did go to work. I, I used to work for Chef America, the makers of Hot Pockets. Oh. So uh, just to kind of give you, I haven't had a lot of Jim Gaffigan for free, like forever now? <laughs> you know, they, they were a privately held company when I worked there, and they got acquired by Nestle. So I, I think, I, I don't know anyone at Nestle. I have some of their candy bars sometimes. No, but you know the famous Jim Gaffigan Hot Pockets. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 I figured if you worked with the company that produced Hot Pockets, <laughs> there was a symbiotic relationship between you and... Uh... Fair assumption. <laughs> <laughs> so I worked in food service, and then I, kinda, I was working in ad agencies, and I was kind of at that forefront of the whole internet thing, new media, new technology. So I worked at companies that did CD-ROMs, which went away quickly and then it all went to uh the internet right and uh so i worked on ad agencies with food companies so i did a lot of different things i uh then kind of through that i had a, a good friend in high school her name's chris crookham who is a really a independent sort and she was she started making films and i was doing some consulting for different pieces people different food companies she said you guys need a video so i started chris helped me make uh, industrial videos for J.R. Simplot for the U.S. Potato Board. I did a ton of things like that, which then led me to actually, and I know, Chris, you talked about this, doing a couple independent films of my own. So Right, well, that was actually the, the logical question. So the working with the video and the production for the advertising in the food industry got you interested in that as a vehicle in general? Yes. But, you know, when it comes, no filmmaker is an island. You know, you, you it's a major collaborative thing. And so it, it was a cool thing. I, I still know a lot of people kind of in the industry. 
The one film that I think you can still find every now and then is called Tattoo a Love Story. It's right. kind of a homage to Boise. It's a cool film. I, I don't mind people seeing that. And the other one was a small independent film called The Five that a friend of mine, Jason, wrote the screenplay for, and I directed and produced that. It's not particularly good. Don't recommend it. <laughs> it was a, it was a great, <laughs> great opportunity. Uh, what's the biggest challenge as a director? You know, I think the biggest challenge of a director is really conveying your vision to your team. The one thing that's cool about a, a film set, it's kind of like the military. Everyone has a job, and you have a specific function. Right. You know, like you get into companies, and sometimes it's a little gray. On a film set, you have a job, and this is what it is. And everyone knows what it is. So I think that specific you know, dispersion of duties is awesome. I think that, that that's a good thing any business can learn. You know, let make sure people know what their job is, and, and then they can go do it. Right. Put them in a position to succeed and then let them succeed. Don't micromanage them. Know your job. <laughs> well, you sound like a manager. <laughs> well, yeah, I had a day back then, yeah. But now I'm, you know, this illustrious uh, podcast host. So, <laughs> still trying to answer your question: How do I get to Snake River Farms? Yeah, and um, so one thing that happened, kind of through all those things, I, I started just working on my own. I was a contractor, and I uh, I was there when social media took off. So I worked with a, a good friend of mine, J.P. Clement, started a new media or a social media ad agency. Kind of before that was a thing. Um, we had clients like uh, Kia and. Uh, I, I was the voice of Cindy Crawford for about a year. Okay. Um, kind of helped put those things together. And uh, anyway, I mean, like my wife is like... You wrote dialogue for her. You didn't do voiceovers it, in it, Hollywood for... Oh, no, he did, know, he did voiceovers. I, I did like her Twitter account and her Facebook account. Oh, but I mean, okay. with, <laughs> me and Cindy did not hang. That came through her people. Right. So, yeah. you know, I, I just would post about different yeah. things. And anyway, yeah. it was entertaining. Did she have a mole she, in her organization? <laughs> oh, we're getting funny here. Yeah. <laughs> this is where Jordan should bring up a picture of Cindy Crawford. Mole, she, mole, for those mole, that mole. don't know yes. the reference she, she has, she was famous for having a mole yes. on her face. So. Yes, yeah. All right, that's enough of my dad jokes. I'm sorry. Right. With the mole joke? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That was the beginning and the end of my comedy career on this. <laughs> but my wife was like, you're always working, and, you know, if you – are self-employed, you are always working. You're on vacation, you have your laptop, you're doing everything. And she said, I think you should get a job. <laughs> and so a friend told me about an opening at Agribeef, and I interviewed, and honestly, I wasn't super enthused because I didn't know that much about the company. Right. And then when I met the people and I started you know, seeing the products, like, man, I really want to work there. Yeah. And then fortunately, I got hired, so. Robert and the whole family is just amazing. And uh, they just host this event every year for all the influencers. And it's gotten bigger and bigger every year. And it just, you've never felt more of a family than when Snake River Farms puts on that you know event. So. That is awesome. Yeah, I know. I've, I've seen, I've seen some of them. Looks, looks amazing. So I have to go back, Dave, and, and forgive me for going back. Uh, but you said, no worries. Katie, your wife, said you That's needed right, to a get a job. friend of yours. <laughs> So I just find it interesting because she's a musician and yep. a musician who are notoriously in need of a job yes. would give the advice of, hey, Dave, you need to go get a job. <laughs> I don't know that it came out exactly like that, but uh, that, was, that was kind of the way I took it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, you want to plug Katie in any of her? I know she's playing in an all original band uh, in Boise and excited about it. Her, her band is the Dirt Fisherman and uh, they were you know, she started when she was in her 20s, and it's the same band. They still, 
they're actually starting to write new stuff. And so we have a big music festival here in Boise in its 11th year called the Tree Fort Music Festival. All right. So she'll be playing Tree Fort this year. And it's a, it's a really wonderful collection of both local bands and national and international bands. And uh, you should come out. Great. I actually do the food fort part of that. So there's various forts. There's a story fort that's around literature, film fort, hack fort that's around technology, yoga fort. Right. And I do food fort. Oh, wow. So I volunteer for that. Do nice. you actually do the food or do you do what you do or one of the things that you do very well, which is assemble these amazing chefs and creative people to put on the experience? I, I do that part. So what happens is because of your snake over farms, <laughs> I, I just get, I, I know or I have contact with a lot of different chefs. And so it, it was kind of a natural fit that I could bring them into town. So it's yeah. no. awesome. I think I've interrupted you like 7,700 times. Oh, it's okay. Times, so oh, it's all right. Did you have a question for Dave? I have tons of questions for Dave. I can't wait to rip into this. This is... So <laughs> have, have, they ever, have they ever had you out there in a cowboy hat and, and boots and running around the farm or... You know, I, I have run around the farm, but, you know, when Chris can attest to this, we have authentic cowboys. You know, it always makes me laugh when I see these marketing things about this beef company. Look, we got, got guys that look like cowboys. We have cowboys. Nice. You know, like the IT guys, you know, there's They're people who cowboys. have small ranches. Yeah. Yeah. But to answer your question, no. In fact, it's funny, a guy who was hired a little bit before me, he said, hey, man, do you own a cowboy hat or boots? And I'm like, uh, no, I don't. He goes, well, don't get any. He said, I said, really? Why? Because I, I thought about it, right? <laughs> he said, you know, I went out and got a hat and boots. And I went to one of those things, he said, and, and uh, I got so much crap for that that I yep. I thought, sound advice. Yep. So, yeah, that's well, no, advice. I did not. I do yep. not. There's just none the worse than feeling that peer pressure and then going out and oh, getting 100%. the hat and boots. Because I'm sure there's a, there's a starter like boots and yeah. a hat or the yeah. fur and to not know the that and to buy them, right yeah oh, you haven't earned your way into the full stats and i don't know about that's, hats i just know one word. no i i'm from alberta so i know oh you I know that know all about the oh, boots yeah, and the hat you know what it is but gotcha. i still look better in my skate shoes well I, so. then, then i need to know i mean how <laughs> true to life is this yellowstone show that's the big thing right now so if you were watching yellowstone yeah. you'd notice that every time they go north Right. Of their ranch. Yep. The next stop is Calgary, which is two hours south of me. Oh. So it's quite literally on right the there. border of okay. Alberta. So it's, yeah, it's kind of neat. They talk about the Milk River Basin, which is our closest south river. It's kind of neat. I just mentioned Yellowstone to help seed this Correct. and Google and That's all right. the podcasts. It's That's right. We, yes, exactly. We could list exactly. this podcast yeah. episode. It's about <laughs> wow. Yellowstone. And somebody That's somewhere will. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, no, no I, just, I, just, I just had to ask because I, I know with Snake River and all, I've seen the pictures of the actual ranch and stuff like that. And it's neat to, to know that like you haven't had to put the garb on and do the whole thing like most companies do, right? So that's good. That's good. Be great initiation, oh, yeah. though. It would be f- if like all new employees they made do that, and yep. then it was yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, did you have other questions, Mel? I feel again. Well, I, I like have a- so many questions for <laughs> the first one. Now the only thing Let I can do is picture Dave and hat and and uh, yeah, boots. That's 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 so. What is your favorite barbecue event, Dave? If you had to pick one yeah. that, that you guys are in. Here's the deal. I'm going to tell you because the barbecue person would get after me. I we have things kind of split up. I'm more on the culinary side, and she's more on the barbecue side. That's Annalise. But, you know, right? I, I actually met Chris at Memphis in May, which is a non-beef event, but we did have some beef there. 
We also had some Gus's fried chicken, so we got that going for us. It was, I shocked Dave, and it was really Bob Atkinson's fault. So Snake Root Farms was sponsoring Barbecue Alley, which yep. you worked with me this past year. That's right. And uh, Dave supplied all the beef. Well, they had just released, Big Green Egg had just released the wok. So oh, yeah. Bob wanted me to do like beef stir fry. <laughs> Dave was like, no, I'm not going to give them all this premium New York strip for <laughs> to him to fry. put in a stir fry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> come on, Mel, you, you can back me up here, right? Yeah, no yeah, I get that. I, get I mean, that. I was That's... like, I'm just doing what I'm told, sir. Yeah, yep. um, yeah. But it was an amazing <laughs> event, and uh, my wife was actually doing lead. Yep. She met Dave actually before I met Dave, and she came back and said, "Hey, there's this guy, Dave. I think he's with Snake River Farms, and he really likes bourbon. You should go talk to him about bourbon." The rest is history. There you go. Yep. Well, there we go. Debbie knows a fair bit about bourbon. That's true. She does. Yep. What's your latest uh, uh, bourbon acquisition? What are you most happy to try or proud of acquiring? Um, You know, this it's it's, uh, one of the perks of this job is that I meet a lot of cool people. And so we sponsored a bourbon event here in Boise called the Boise Bourbon Bash that was shockingly great. Um, I, my expectations were low, but they they did it upright. But um, I met uh, one of the the kind of the brand guys from Heaven Hill, right? And so we have done some events with them. And anyway, this summer I was in Louisville. I was in Louisville for a koi show, believe it or not, because my wife is a national koi judge. Koi oh. as in the fish, fish. koi, koi fish. fish. Yeah. And there you had a yeah. national anyway. koi show in Louisville. That's a strange. Uh, Louisville, it's it's one of the big shows. It's a regional show. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. But they, they kind of have them all over the country. But I was more interested in bourbon than fish, and so I called some of the folks that I knew at uh, at Heaven Hill, and they hooked me up, and I got to get the personalized tour. And and where this is going is, Chris, you might know this in Louisville. There's a green la- label Heaven Hill. Yeah. It's a kind of a nondescript, but it's uh, Heaven Hill's gift to the locals. Right. And uh, I don't think it costs more than like 10, 15 bucks. Yeah. And I think there's no age statement on it, but it varies. It's age four to six years. Anyway, it's an amazing bourbon. Yeah. And I, I got my hands on one of those, and I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. Did you? Was that your first trip to Louisville? And great pronunciation. Yeah, I was going to say, he pronounces it exactly yeah. right. But Dave's a writer. He's a man of enough. words. I've been, I've been yeah. yeah. Well, the, the thing about no, Louisville, was, my wife taught me, as you say it, like you've had several bourbons. That's right. Bourbons. Louisville. Right. Louisville. Louisville. That was my second trip. Okay. Nice. My first trip. I, I don't, I've been serious about bourbon for maybe 15 years. So I kind of beat the rush, but it, I was not like, you know, at the forefront or in the cutting edge, like, like you, Chris. But um, are we doing some, is that the backhoe? What's happening? That well, is, we are outside in the uh, Barbecue Buddha compound. And because we're outside a helicopter. That's the ghetto bird. By. The ghetto bird. Wow. Yeah. That's what that is. That's so just, uh, it's an unusual event. So it means somebody must have carjacked someone downtown yeah. or something for a helicopter. So, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I got a question. Since we're on liquor, I got a question for Dave. Yeah. Okay. Dave, what's your favorite White Claw? <laughs> this is. Well, Jordan, you, you know, are you going to put funny. up the tweet? Uh, <laughs> I, oh, oh, did you see my tweet? <laughs> we were doing research Dave. on you, and Jordan was like, "Oh, I found solid gold. I found solid gold. Mel is going to love this one." <laughs> I love it. Oh, 
I, I did get some nice responses. I don't I don't know if I can drop f bombs on your show. Oh yes, we're <laughs> yes. an adult only show. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, uh, but you know, you may because well, he's he's gonna put it up anyway. But oh, there it is. There, there it is, right there. <laughs> I know it's an age thing, but every time I see a man drinking a white claw, I think, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> you can't get more literary than that. Hey, yeah. that's uh, I think. <laughs> I think I see a new T-shirt opportunity exactly, here. That is black exactly. T-shirt, white lettering, typewriter font. You know, it's- that's. I have to say, in my own defense, Dave, I get a lot of flack about this, especially Memphis and May, the American Royal. You know what I mean? There's a lot of gruff individuals that are like, "How can you drink gotcha. those? How can you drink those white claws?" But then they're all passing out at the end of the night, and I'm still rolling. So there's that, right? <laughs> I've heard that from a few guys. That's what they've told me. So it's like you know. <laughs> Yeah. I guess I just opt, give me the bourbon neat, and I'll be one of those guys passed out. Well, that, that's that? the, yeah. That, see, and that, that's, hey, but Dave that's a fair. Dave says that, but he's like the one shutting the bars down. He, you know, yeah. there's events I go to like that, and the sponsor does the obligatory first round or something. I'm chasing Dave at three in the morning in oh. downtown Boise trying to keep up. I love that. That's amazing. Was, yeah. Well, uh, we, well, I got lost. <laughs> my, my watch stopped. I thought it was, I thought it was 11 o'clock. No, that's so, so I, I think I know this, but Boise's always been your home. Did you go to college in that um, area and high school and stuff? I grew up in a small farming uh, town about 30 miles west of here called Caldwell. Go Cougars. And uh, went to school in state, University of Idaho up north. And uh, like I had mentioned before, my first job out of college was in Bellevue, Washington. So near Seattle, yeah. came back, and then I was gone for quite a few years. I lived in San Francisco and L.A. for 10-ish years. Great towns. Uh, and then I came back here. Yeah. It, Dave so. is, he's like a true Boisean. Okay. Yep. Is that is that a Boisean? Did I? I'll go Boisean. Right. He's a, an avid outdoors person. And no. so I did the wrong thing. I signed up for the day biking thing, thinking, you know, they're the sponsor we're the guest he's not going to take us on a real bike ride it's going to be like a hey we'll go on a single track ride. no it was like a and i was grossly out of shape at this point (laughs) to go visit and had to bow out shem went and fell and like yeah it was pretty serious that those grown men looked like they were crying when they came back from that bike ride so Oh, that those were tears of joy. <laughs> are, are you more of a road cyclist or a mountain biker? Or do you pay equal amounts to both sides? I, I kind of do both, but I'm probably more of a mountain biker. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Do we you, have mountains around here. Yeah, that's a good a thing. And I saw you yeah. just start posting about skiing. Are you a skier or a snowboarder? I am a skier. Yeah. Skier. Yeah, yeah. I tried. I, I, I don't know. Snowboarding looks so magical. I think it was a powder day. I remember seeing this guy rising up over there. I thought, I got to do that. I did it for about two years and. I got semi okay, and I thought, you know, heck with this. I'm going back to skiing. So, yeah. Do you do all the fancy tricks and jumps and stuff? <laughs> no, no. Moguls <laughs> and trees and stuff. Yeah, I got and... moguls, but no fancy tricks. I, I grew up in the. I started. I was skiing in the '70s in the heyday of the freestyle movement. Right. So I had buddies who could pop a you know backflip on a mogul. That was not me. Right. Yep. I could ski through them. I couldn't. You know. I don't know. I lost a tooth, you know, trying to do a jump, you know, do tricks. So I learned at an early age, maybe that wasn't for me. Okay. So. That's fair enough. So you've been to, to pretty much all of the major events for our industry, right? Who is the most influential person you've met in the barbecue world, in your opinion? Well, you know, that's an interesting question because if you ask, you know, 
the average Joe or, you know, a casual barbecue, you know, competition barbecue person, they can't name that many people. I mean, they rarely can even name like the, the most recent grand champions or you. Know, and so they kind of tend to go uh, like Tuffy Stone, Myron Mixon, and, you know, kind of not a competitive guy, but like, you know, Aaron Franklin. Um, and because of that, in terms of, I guess, Mel, it's like influential where? I mean, within the world of barbecue, not saying those three gentlemen aren't influential, but I think they, you know, like a, a hardcore barbecue dude, you know, is going to have a different name. I think that for me, because the content I produce, like Tuffy in particular, you know, he's such a joy to work with. And uh, in fact, he's coming to Tree Fort this year, Food Fort, work uh, that down. That's pretty cool. Um, I think that, like, you know, I have a very small Instagram following, but if I post anything about, and, you know, we work with different people, I, I think people get more enthused about um, Aaron Franklin than anyone else. Yeah. And uh, and it's interesting because I mean, he's not a competitive guy, but he's a, he's a character and he is full of knowledge. I think that's the thing about barbecue in general. I mean, you don't have a lot of, you know, unintelligent people because it's like, yeah, it's, and to coin a phrase from my friend Chris, barbecue by feel, which I, I, I believe in, you know, to, to really get that work done, I mean, you have, to, you have to have a plan. You just don't show up and magically produce, you know, a perfect brisket. Yep. Right. So I, I think that's the one thing that people don't realize about competitive barbecue. It's just like it's, there's so much knowledge that's required to do it right. And then you do have to have that ability, you know, it's experience, it's understanding that, you know, how many questions, how many times do you get this question? What temperature should I pull my brisket? Yeah. Like, yeah. No. Like, well, how many briskets have you cooked? Right. Yeah. 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 And this one answer won't help you with the next exactly. one. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you answer that? Right. Yeah. So. Do you, I went to a Texas A&M's Camp Brisket. Oh, you've been to that? That's nice. right. I think you nice. went last year, right? Oh. Yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah. And I probably shouldn't say this because people are going to get pissed off, but we were a sponsor, and, you know, I, I would love to go. If anyone asked me, I would go. And I think it was, like, January 6th, and someone said, hey, there's an opening at Camp Brisket. Anyone want to go? And I'm like, yeah, I want to go. Yeah. And it's interesting because the, the type of people that are there, I mean, first of all, some of those folks have been waiting five years to get there. Yeah. And some jerk like me just shows up, you know, just because <laughs> right. we're a sponsor. But the range of expertise was really broad, and there was this – uh, one of the really cool things, there was this family and, and their father had always made brisket and for Christmas. And, you know, he did it. And not that everyone was uninterested, but, you know, it was kind of more of a solo effort. And he unfortunately passed away in an untimely manner of time. And uh, so they were there to, to figure out how to cook brisket like the old man did. And I thought that was really cool. Oh. Um, but, there, you know, there's a guy in the front rows writing down everything. I, I can't do do a brisket, I trim it like this, I do it like this. Right. And he was like, okay, so when do I pull? What temperature? You know, how how, right. how long does that brisket go in there? Yeah. It's like, you are not listening at all, sir. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I get, uh, whenever Debbie, Mrs. Buddha, comes to a class that I teach, and you get this, you, you try to teach, you give people confidence that it's look and feel, and these are the cues and everything, and I try to teach that way, but you have that person in the back of the class or yep. the front, right? But what what did you say exactly? What do you do here? What do you do there? And yep. she's always like, you need to tell them what to do. And I'm like, I kind of am. I'm trying. Yep. <laughs> I'm trying, and it's not obviously succeeding, so I'll try better the next time. That's it. That's exactly well, it. There's no substitute for experience or you know, yep. for giving it a try. Uh, so I, I get how you got 
where you were to Snake River Farms and the aspect that you work on. You, you went e-commerce and sort of influencer world, and now you're solely... What, what, what did your role evolve to that Mackenzie sort of does the social media people now? What now is your focus? A lot of what I do now is... Everything I do is around content. So <clears throat> although I work indirectly with influencers like you, Chris, more of it's directed for specific articles or right. blog posts, things like that on the site. Well, I did. I got and, really tickled. I saw you on TikTok because you, you've been really you got a videographer, I think, now at the headquarters. Yeah, we do. Mandy Tanner's on there. And like, you know, so, uh, but I saw Dave doing a, a TikTok last week and I was all starstruck. I was like, I know that guy. I know that guy. It was a very good job. That was an excellent job that you guys are doing. So nice. Well, the funny thing about that, the one that I was in, I've, I've been in like a handful of them, but it was just like they said, hey, tell people what the temperature is. They should do their steaks. Right. I did it. At the end, I'm like, hey, well done. I threw it in the garbage can. <laughs> well, that's got the most traffic of all the TikToks. Yeah. Had, so who knows? Yeah. TikTok has taught us one thing. If you stack cheese really quickly on top of each other, about a thousand <laughs> pieces of cheese, yeah. you'll be huge. You'll that's be it. There'll be nobody stopping you. So that's it. That's exactly it. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. With, with all of your... Um, knowledge of how this meat gets cooked you're obviously a meat professional you guys bring amazing product out there what is your favorite cooker to cook it on ah uh, that's a good question so well that's a good one you know um <laughs> i'd be interested <laughs> well no, so there's a, a van up in portland called peace portland and green green tray if you come to my house I've got everything. I've got pellet grills. I got charcoal grills. I've got uh, the uh, what's it called the uh, the beefer. You know the have you seen the uh, yeah, 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 cooker? The, the high heat. I've got a little bit of everything laying around. So. But my go-to is a big green egg. It's not just because you guys are here, but it's just you know for me, it's the <laughs> it's most versatile. And, nope. Yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's like, um, and I've heard people say it's like oh you know it's really hard to start and blah blah blah. And I have to admit the first one I had it sat in my backyard for a while. It's like. Ah, crap, I need to get that thing going. And and now we had like a, a Weber gas grill, which is, you know, a fine gas grill. And that was my go-to before I got the, I have a mini max. I have a large, I wish it was an XL, but yeah, yeah. That, that would give me a little more space. But anyway, um, my wife, I said, Hey, we, don't, we are running out of room in the backyard because one, we have a giant koi pond. We don't have a yard. We have two koi ponds. Right. <laughs> so I said, you allotted me this space and I kind of want to, get all my grills in here. And uh, she said, well, don't get rid of that gas grill because I want to use that. Yeah. And so then I, I, I made a note. I said, here's when we use the gas grill. And the next time I looked at that, it had been like 14 months. And I said, honey, we haven't fired that thing up in 14 months. Can I go ahead and get rid of that now? And so we did. But yeah, I, I used that a lot. If I did that to my wife, I, bravo, Dave. If I did that to you've been keeping tabs on me. You would take a note to see if I didn't use that thing. I'd be like, yeah, boy, I, know, I was trying to help well, clean yeah. out the yard. No, Chris, I, I think that we're talking about a gas grill here. We're not talking about other things. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's, one's that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. So um, what's your favorite cut? Oh. I get asked that one a lot. And I think that, well, Chris, you're kind of in the same boat. Mel, you probably are too. We, 
eat a lot of different cuts. I mean, the average Joe knows yeah. a filet, they know a New York, they know a ribeye. And I would say probably 90% of the time when I ask people or that question comes up, they say ribeye. And the ribeye, I've got two of them right here right. behind me, um, are fantastic steaks. But um, I really do like the butcher's cuts. I like kind of the wacky things. I think that, uh, you know, like a hanger steak, hanger outside steak, skirt, so, so tough to beat. Outside skirt. They're not tough, they're difficult to beat. Outside skirt uh, for that, me is, that's a Terrace Major. Yeah. Well, Picanha. Yeah, Terrace Major is great. We yeah. actually we actually burned a couple of picanhas here Today. just a couple minutes ago. We were doing the big green egg. Just, <laughs> you burned uh, them? No, no. I mean we cooked them. That's, <laughs> Chris, Chris was nice. He's like, "Oh, you overcooked this. This is." And I staring at him. He's I'm like, not going to let me live this one oh. down, Dave. He said, "How is it?" I said, "It's good. It's just a little more cooked than I like." So I almost fed him the entire picanha right there in one <laughs> shot. Just oh, yeah, yeah. But we have the new big I'll green egg has a rotisserie, so we did it rotisserie style today. It was pretty good. Yes. Yeah. Oh, nice. Lots of love to Snake so River Farms I'm, today. Yes. <laughs> I've been at Snake River Farms for 10 years. Yeah. And so I started, I, I won't get, we're a privately held company. I'm not going to give you exact figures, but I will tell you that the first year I was here, you know, we sold X at, at the website. I'm like, nice. Yeah. Right. Made some money. Nice. Um, now, 10 years later, we'll sell that much in a day. Yeah. So what we used uh, to sell in a year, we'll sell in a day. Yeah. I love that. So it's kind of nuts. And I love seeing that growth because yeah. and when I was in IT, it used to be people on the platform and you would do the, oh, you know, our biggest day now we used to do in a minute. So I love that thing. Yeah. The only problem with that is eventually that sets your new calibration. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So are you still seeing well, that type of growth? It, like after COVID no, and people in have gone part, back to work? Is that normalized? Have you been affected that way like other people have? You know, when, when the uh, pandemic hit, you know, our sales, like, you know, the outdoor grills, you know, yeah. outdoor everything, you know. It's great. It, I mean, for that crazy. Aspect. Yeah, and then you expect, okay, the pandemic's over. Right. <laughs> <And it's, laughs> anyway, things have subsided. Right. Things are going back to normal. You know, people aren't going to do that anymore. But, you know, this is a plug for Snake River Farms. Beef's pretty damn good. Yeah. And, you know, once you really eat that, it's kind of hard to just go and get a USDA choice out of, you know, the grocery store. Right. Okay. So, you know, we did see that same astronomical growth, but, you know, you would thought it was, you know, something would happen and that hasn't happened. Yeah. And we're, the thing that's tough is I think there's a perception that we're a massive beef company. You know, like in the world of beef, we barely count. I think someone told me we're like, you know, of all the beef sold, we're like, you know, single digit percentage. Right. But um, we only have so much beef to sell. And it is funny because people are like, oh, well, I, I just want ribeyes. Well, you know. Funny thing, cow has other cuts besides ribeyes. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. You have to mix that right. up. That's yeah. a challenge. So, yeah, I, I, you would not know that given people's feeds these no, days. Is, it's all ribeyes. This ribeye, yeah. this ribeye. No, that. I, I have to say to you, Dave, you guys have ruined how I eat beef just by the the quality of the Snake River, man. It's oh, awesome. Mission accomplished. Oh, it's even like way up north, right? With our. Uh, uh, barbecue competitions and stuff like that. When you're judging, KCBS judging, you know when a brisket hits your your table, you can you can tell you can tell which ones. That's cool, man. Why? Which ones? And and that's it, it's it's the cutting edge, right? And that's it's slowly getting that way across the board. It's it's really wild, but uh, you're absolutely right. You grab a regular old ribeye out of the fridge now, and it's like it's <laughs> it's. 
difficult. It's, it's different. like there should be like a yeah. rehabilitation program to go back to normal beef, <laughs> like no. a halfway house for no. Wagyu. You no. know, it's like, no. uh, uh, and you know, that's another thing too for me. And you get this question all the time: that isn't Wagyu. You know, it uh, it's ridiculous to me. First of all, people wouldn't like eating. A5 Wagyu all the time. They think they would. They see it on the things, but they're not going to cook it. They're not going to eat it. They're going to, it's, yeah. it's not. Uh, American Wagyu is the best of both worlds. You have such an elevated experience when you have that. It really is truly transcendent. And your pork is not bad either. Is there new? Yeah, the pork is that Korobuda, uh, Berkshire, 100% Berkshire. Yep. You know, the thing about, everyone should try, if you like beef, you should try a A5, but it's like, you know, you're going to go to a steakhouse or a Japanese steakhouse. They're going to sell it to you by the ounce, and, you know, they're going to sear It's going to be – and it's delicious. I mean, it's, it's a delicacy, but, man, yep. good luck eating a 32-ounce A5 something. Oh, no, we've, we've tried. Well, we were just <laughs> – <We've tried>. uh, <laughs> It's super I rich, man. I was dealing with yeah. yeah, this is, that's the yeah. thing, right? We've literally tried. It's uh, I do like the, the, the Korean hot pot, right? Same deal, and I'm like yeah. – Let's swing two pounds of that and see what happens. And a one pound in, you're like, holy cow. I need to go for a jog and I need a salad right now. Like this is, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm going to backtrack. You were talking about you guys made picanhas tonight. So yes. kind of in that 10-year cycle, being at Snakeware Farms, every year we introduce new cuts. And, you know, they're not new. They're new to the website. But um, when the, the picanha came up, someone said, hey, we've got this sirloin cap. And, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And they said, do you want it with a fat cap on or the fat cap off? And we're like, I don't know, I guess the fat cap off. And we got put on the site. Didn't sell well. But got a lot of complaints. Why the hell would you guys take the fat cap off that <laughs> Picanha? Right. And we called it, I think we called it the Coolot. Coolot, yeah. and it was peeled, peeled Coolot. Yeah. Yeah. But then you changed the name to Picanha, and for SEO purposes, Chris, as you know. Yeah, yeah. it's an no important thing. Hardly anyone's searching Coolot. Everyone's searching Picanha. I mean, it's such a darling of, of you know, social media. But we put that on there, start selling with a fat cap on there. Can I keep that thing in? I mean, it's just like, it's a crazy good steak or roast also. Now we have to add Picanha to our SEO for this episode. Oh, We've got Yellowstone. Picanha. We've got Picanha. Now we're, we're really going to, this is going to yeah. be number one with a bullet. That's it. <laughs> well, uh, the other uh, another big search term is carne asada. Going back to outside skirt. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. I like it. Dave's dropping carne dropping asada. bombs, yes. SEO bombs on us. <laughs> That's tonight. right. See, there you go. So if it's not barbecue, right? Because you are more in the culinary world, other than your counterpart Annalise and and the the, the barbecue part. What's your favorite style? I mean, if you're going to cook steak. You're not grilling it. What's your favorite way to prepare it stylistically? You know, um, I think simple is always best. You know, I, I think people, if, if the list of ingredients is so long, you know, it's, there's just opportunity to mis, mix things up. And I have been very fortunate to work with a lot of chefs or to dine out with chefs. It's really a lot of fun to hear them critique things. And, you right. know, they detect what the missing element is. And there's no magic to it, really. I think the, the good news is you learn by eating. You know, the more you eat, the more you understand. You know, oh, that tasted good. Why that tastes good? And, you know, it's the same with beef or it's with any dish. So I work with Hugh Atchison quite a bit. Yeah. In fact, he'll be at Tree Fort this year. Another plug for Tree Fort. <laughs> but one thing that Hugh does is things really simple. And like, okay, horseradish and beef. You know, right. it's an obvious one. But he took creme fraiche. 
did a fresh grated horseradish, put a sprinkle of salt, some lemon juice, and whipped it together. And he did these thin slices of New York strip that then he served like with some spring peas. I mean, which sounds weird, right? I mean, it's, I mean, it's unusual, but really simple on this plate, that schmear of that stuff. And it was like, right. And then maybe a, a drizzle of like a super nice extra virgin olive oil. And there are more ingredients than that. But the thing is, it just, it was so simple. It's like, man, that, that's my favorite style of cooking. Yeah. I'm also, I'm Japanese. My mom was a fantastic cook. And so I, I think my cooking's influenced a little bit by that, the simplicity of, of, and purity of ingredients. Yeah. And I think that's what I like about Snake River Farms. It's like, you just make a Snake River Farm stay with a little salt and you're in business. Right, right. Yeah. I was at a Korean, uh, my children are half Korean, and uh, we love when I'm in the Washington, D.C. area to go out to the great Korean barbecues and stuff. And oh, one yeah. of the best experiences I had, we cooked the steak on the tabletop and then they had this amazing uh sesame oil just this high quality sesame oil and then really coarse salt like you know malden salt just crispy crunchy so you had the texture of the salt the fatty richness of the soy and then this beef that was tabletop grilled really good simple delicious nice i know i want that i do too (laughs) but that was really i really liked the you know the the simplicity of ingredients and that's why cooking with snake river farms products it's a challenge because really the only thing I should be doing is grilling and salt and slicing. But how many, you know, did I find myself, I'm doing sauces or different preparations, which is great eye candy and makes for good social media stuff. But sometimes oh, yeah. I feel a little teeny guilty putting a marinade on this quality beef. Well, you, you got to mix it up a little bit. So um, this, during the holiday season, a lot of people, well, you know, going back to what is my job, people go out, they eat Snake River Farms, they love it. And then they find the website and, you know, many people are accomplished home cooks, many are not. And so that person who says, man, I'd love to make that steak at home, but, you know, it's kind of expensive and I don't want to mess it up. So a lot of my content is how do you do the basics? And we've taken it beyond that. And like, especially during the holidays, there's a thing called Dining with Dave. I know (laughs) Dave me, but they book appointments and I talk to them about whatever they want to cook. And it's really fun. The people are awesome. Like physically Um, talk to them? But it's a service... Like What's that? Physically talk yeah, to them. I and have call a phone call. Huh? Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but- that's neat. We should create like an Uber style app. Yeah, where people will buy the steak and then they could buy like access to this app. Yeah, and then they could get like if I'm participating in the app and I get on my phone of Snake Roof Farms, then I could walk them through how to cook the steak and do it with them. And there's a whole network. There you of us go. Out there. <laughs> there's a uh, uh, an app called Kitch that, that kind of does that. That's yeah. a bunch of really. Uh, cool guys are doing actually mike thielen's a, a friend of mine a friend of snake river farms and he's one of the guys on that so check it out they have some great chefs on there so, they, maybe they need more barbecue guys folk you too get yeah. on there so it, here's one for you dave since you came from the 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 earlier days of advertising and marketing and doing this social media stuff how do you feel about where social media is going now the, the new stage in social media, the TikToks, and the how, how do you feel about what? marketing in the new jungle? Yeah. You know, I think the thing that's interesting is so much of social media is like, okay, Facebook. Kids aren't on Facebook. No. You know, people my age are older on it, you know, in general. And then TikTok, you know, when it first came out, it's kind of like everything. Like, oh, Instagram, that's not going to last. Uh, Twitter, that's not going to last. And then with TikTok, the same thing. But... People adapt to it, 
And it's also, uh, somebody said that, you know, it, it affects your brain like a narcotic does. You know, I mean, how many people you sit around just, they're just going TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. I think that, um, Mel, to answer your question more directly, everything has its place. And I think that if you, I have been around since social media first started, and I don't think anyone really thought they would monetize it in the way they would. You know, yeah. I think that, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, Mark Zuckerberg had pure thoughts, but at some point, I think it really was, it was going to be, a, you know, a completely kind of social, easygoing thing, not a major business yep. with the revenue attached to it. And, you know, that's the thing about all the social media. It's like, it's frightening how all that data is out there. You know, your Google accounts, you can email your wife, hey, I'm thinking we need to get a washer and dryer. And then pretty soon it's like, hey, look, I'm like, browser, they're having <laughs> so, a sale at, at Best Buy. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually read a really interesting article on this recently. So yep. you know how we all say, and we all feel this way, yep. our phones, our devices are listening to us. Yes. And why? Because we won't Google it, we won't search it, we won't do anything on the device, but we'll have a conversation with our friends. Hey, I'm looking at this new fill-in-the-blank oven, grill, What? and next thing you know, you're on your device and you see an ad for it. So yep. it must be listening, right? Yep. But here's how it works. The, they have so much data on you. They could predict when you're going to want that thing <laughs> without having the microphone on and hearing you say that to your wife. They wow. know that that's what a thought you'll form in your head on something that you want to feed you that ad in and around. You would have said that out loud. So they're not listening to you. They have enough data to be able to already know what you want before you know. You, you want, want me to blow your doors off? Sure. The next step to that <laughs> is that they put it in your head. Oh, yeah. They already put it in your head what you're going to want, and now they're advertising to you how to buy it. Well, there's a big... We have 10 minutes left. We have 10 minutes left. <laughs> we have 10, well, we have Did 10 minutes left. Did you spend the left. last half hour drawing I, that out? Is that, but that there, those are the notes he was doing? He's see. writing the big 10. So this is going to have to migrate to having a camera facing Jordan as well, because this has got to get on camera at some point. We have a producer, and he's, you know, yeah. Yeah. before he was doing his job, and I was like, are we out of time? He's like, no, you got an hour left. I'm like, wow, that was a short one minute. So what's next for you, Dave? Are you happy at Snake River Farms? Do, do, do you have other things you want oh, yeah. to do there? It, it's a dream job. I mean, it, well, you know, I'm getting old, dude. Nope, I'll be retiring here in a while. Although I probably will continue to do yeah. something with the company. Oh, stop it, it Dave. A, you know? <laughs> oh, Mel. <laughs> That's, see, one thing but, I know, Japanese gentlemen who breed koi, they will literally live forever. That's one thing I'm going to say. So your retirement is the koi the or the gentleman? Wow. Both. Oh, both. I'm just saying. As soon as he mentioned koi, I knew how centered he was. Oh, I thought because you can't be you can't be very sporadic. Well, and to be koi. clear, it's you his can't. wife that's into koi. He's just he's tangentially yeah, into koi because of his wife. So little little backstory here, hey, Dave. Oh. My grand, my mother uh, also has a koi <laughs> pond in, in her backyard. So. I've spent nice. since I was a little baby uh, scooping them out in the in the fall and then putting them back in the spring because it's too cold in the winter to keep them out. So oh, we have wow. huge so aquariums in, in the garage. So this is I've spent my most of my life around koi as well. So has anyone ever eaten a koi? Uh, yes, a bird. A br uh, uh, well, they're a blue, big. I a mean. blue heron. A blue heron came <clears> and started plucking her koi out one day and. This is so. This is where we found out the wild birds in the city have more rights than humans. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they showed that in Yellowstone, too. Uh, that's second, reference, that's... second reference to Yellowstone. Wow. We're, we're jumping yeah. up the podcast yeah, charts here. That's it, because my stepdad called <laughs> called the city to be like, how do we get rid of this heron? And they're like, you don't. You uh, get rid of you before you get rid of the heron. You know, we so. actually ran into that in Louisville. Two baby owls landed on our porch. Oh, there you go. Like little, uh, they were horned. They had the big head, and yep. they were little, and they were really mean to our dogs <laughs> and to Debbie and to yep. me, and they crapped over everything, and we called animal, and you couldn't do anything with them. You couldn't do anything with go. them. So they're probably still there. That's why we moved. What do you think of that, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> we should put about, him back. About Christmas owl issues. <laughs> Dave, how do you feel about owl issues? That's it. <laughs> I like owls. That's a great band name, by the way. Owl Issues tonight at the Bayou, one night only. All right. So, uh, uh, well, what's uh, next year is your parent company's Agribee's 50th anniversary, I think. Is that correct? 55th. 55th. In business for 55 years. So, it's a big deal next September 8th, I believe, is the date. Are you coming? I am. You have, uh, your team, the team there is already all over. It's securing that date and spot to make it the best one yet. So, yes. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, that's one thing that is pretty cool about Agribeef and Snake River Farms is, you know, kind of going back to that cowboy thing is yeah. that it's authentic. You know, so we've been at this for 55 years. It's, I do get a kick out of kind of after 2020, there were a lot of companies that came on board doing beef. And they're like, we've been selling beef for two years now. Yeah. Um, And I, I mean, I think that that's what you can tell is that we do everything from start to finish. I mean, we own the genetics on the Wagyu. We have the largest herd of hundred percent Wagyu cattle in North America. We are involved in every step along the way. And that's highly unusual, you know, in the beef world, but I think the end result is there. I mean, you, you guys have tried it. We've already discussed that, but it's a, that's you know you ask what am I going to do? Why would I leave this? Right. You know, it's it's an awesome company. Well, Great I meant product. there at the company. It's not the same working for Snake River Farms as it was you know like Hot Pockets. Hot Pockets are fine, but yeah, no one's getting too excited. <laughs> that would be you all have an incredible line of smoked meats from Southside Market in uh, Texas, and uh, I think you should have a new uh, a new line of Hot Pockets with uh, Wagyu. Or yeah, Kurbuta pork. Let me talk now. to Southside. So we have the. The Southside Hot Pocket. Southside yep. Hot Pocket. I'm there telling you, you right now. Yep. So that's a third search wow. engine term, Hot Pockets. Yep. Well, there you go. I beat that Do one you really that. want that traffic? Though? Exactly. Good call, Is that your audience? Good call. I don't know. I'm seeing a Hot Pocket in Jordan our future that. tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> well, Dave, uh, you are a gentleman and a scholar. A awesome. good egg for joining us. We're trying to broaden the horizon of t- the types of guests that we get onto the show, so people get exposed to not only our world but other aspects of our industry. And you are a key component of that. And uh, oh, thanks, man. Thanks for being on. Hundred percent. And just a quick closer: if you had one thing to tell our listeners that you wish they would know about Snake River Farms, what would it be? I'm going to kind of fall back on that, how to prepare things. It's, I think the thing is, is everyone wants to know the exact formula to do it. And I think the thing I would want people to know is experiment, try it. There's no wrong answer. You know, everyone's like, oh, is, it, is this going to mess the steak up? You know, marinate it, marinate the hell out of it. You know, I think that my thing is be your own best judge. You know, listen to your own palate. And I, I think you're going to be happy with the results. Awesome. 
I love it. Thank you very much for being on, Dave. We really appreciate it. Say Guys, it. thanks for the invitation. Mel, it's a pleasure seeing you. I've seen Chris <laughs> yeah. every Too now much. and then. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> Dave, Cheers, brother. Say hello to everybody. All right, that's it for another amazing episode of After the Cook. We want to thank everybody for listening and watching. Make sure you guys follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Hit all the things, the buzzers and stuff, and get it all done. And we'll be seeing you again in two weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Deadly.